Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad to have you back again with us this week. We are looking at lesson number nine, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. An exciting week this week. We're going to be looking at someone very, very important, and we're glad that you're with us. Let's begin today with prayer. Father, we ask that you'll be with us as we open your word once again and help us to see someone very significant in the Psalms as we study today. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week, as before, throughout this quarter, we have the author of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, Dr. Dragoslava Santrak, and we're excited to have her here again this week. She has an extensive knowledge in Old Testament and especially in the book of Psalms. Slava, welcome back. Thank you, Eric. So this week is probably one of the most significant weeks. They're all very important, but we're looking at someone very important this week, someone that we don't wanna miss as we go through the Psalms. Uh, you mentioned earlier in one of our, our previous studies that the Psalms are really people's prayers to God, but they're also inspired prayers about Jesus or, or about God's revelation to his people. Um, where do we see Jesus in the Psalms? Uh, he, he is, he's the one that the Bible is all about. We know he appears in the Psalms, but how do we see him in here and where can we pick him up along the way? Well, everything we have studied thus far through all these previous weeks inevitably leads to Jesus Christ. We spoke about creation and the world was created through him and for him. We spoke about the glorious King and judge and, and the redemption and mercy, covenantal faithfulness. Well, all of that, all those themes are about Jesus and are possible and made available to us only because of him but, and through him. But this week, we are particularly focusing on those Psalms that in a remarkably accurate way describe and reveal details of Jesus's incarnate life when he came as our savior to this world. And uh, reading about the prophecies that were written hundreds years before their fulfillment and how they are fulfilled in Jesus with such accuracy gives me new encouragement and reassures me uh, uh, in the veracity and reliability of the Word of God. Well, we're gonna take a look at some of those. Yes. Where should we begin? Yes, well, I'm very excited for us to um, do this uh, uh, comparison between the promises in the Psalms and how they were fulfilled in our Lord Jesus in the New Testament. So here we are talking about two types of predictions. The first are the direct prophetic fulfillments uh, and the second type are the typological fulfillments in Jesus. So let's dive in in some examples uh, of the direct prophetic fulfillments or predictions or announcements about Jesus. Um, if you agree, Eric, uh, I would like to read a promise or prophecy from the Psalm. And then if you would be so kind to find a fulfillment in the New Testament. Certainly. It's an exciting journey. So the first example is about Christ's deity. And we read in Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Clearly here the psalmist is not talking about himself. He's addressing someone, you God, your God has anointed you. So it's a little bit confusing. Who is this if this is not a psalmist, obviously? Who is this divine person anointed to do this marvelous work of righteousness? Well, so, maybe well, we in should Hebrews, find out. Yes, in Hebrews chapter 1, I believe. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So here the Psalm and the book of Hebrews speak about someone who is like God and is allowed to be called God because that's what he is in his essence of his being. And at the same time, he's God's son, beloved son. Well, well, the next example, perhaps let's see in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, it's a prophecy about the sonship of Jesus. Jesus as the son of God. Verse 7, it says in Psalm 2, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So here the psalmist speaks about the son, and obviously again, this is not the psalmist himself, because this goes beyond a, a, a human creature who can be identified in, in, this, in this text. And maybe in the New Testament, we can find Fulfillment. Yeah, we have a couple of verses here. Matthew 3, verse 17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And that's a very familiar text to, I think, just about every Christian at Jesus' baptism. And here, of course, it calls him his Son, in whom he is well pleased. Also in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my Son, Today I have begotten you, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So this is a messianic prophecy right there in the Psalms. Then we have uh, many other examples. Perhaps I should mention now the prophecy about resurrection, because the text in the Psalms and the ones you read in the Hebrews mention that God has begotten his son. So some people may get the idea, oh, so Jesus was created by God. Is that what the prophecy in Psalm says? Is he somewhat, somehow lower than God? That's obviously not what the prophecy is meant. This is a prophecy about Jesus' resurrection. And perhaps I can read um, Psalm 16, verse 10, which is very similar to the one uh, we read previously in, in Psalm 2. 16 verse 10 says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, or in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Psalm 2-7 about God saying, I have begotten you to Jesus, and Psalm 16 
are about resurrection as we can see in, in uh, the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28, it says, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." And we find a similar uh, uh, fulfillment in chapter 13. It says, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. In verse 35, therefore he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Yes, yeah, so we see these prophecies about, are about Jesus' resurrection, that God has, through Jesus, created a new life as a gift and promise of resurrection for all those who believe in Jesus and trust in God through Him. This is a wonderful promise. Uh, perhaps another one uh, about Jesus' zeal for God's house. In Psalm 69, verse 9, we read that Jesus loves God's temple, and those services represent a message of His salvation. It says, Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. And this is a prophecy about Christ. And we find the fulfillment over in John. John chapter 2, verse 17 says, Then his disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So over and over we're seeing these psalms referenced over yes. in the New Testament, seeing the connections between the prophecy yes. Yes. and then the fulfillment in Jesus' life. Yes. And what is interesting, we find also prophecies that uh, Jesus himself did not have control over their fulfillment. Let's say this one about the zeal. Someone could say, well, Jesus could have read that and kind of like portray that zeal in order to, to show the fulfillment of the psalm. But there, there are so many examples where other people, therefore Jesus did not control that part of fulfillment. For example, uh, when the soldiers divided Jesus' garments, when Jesus was crucified in Psalm 22, 18, we read exactly about that. Psalm 22, verse 18, it says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And for that we do not see any instances in the King David's life, and, uh, but we find a fulfillment in Matthew. 27. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And these were Roman soldiers who were most likely unaware of the prophecy in the Psalms, but God's insight and providence foresaw these details. And these prophecies were given for us, for God's people, to strengthen our trust in God's word. 
So if these were fulfilled, then those who are still to be fulfilled, we have confidence that they will. And there's no way that he could have impacted that, yes. that by yes. no choice of his could he Absolutely. have swayed things in his direction. It was yes. completely dissociated from any of his actions or activities. Yeah. Yes, and, and we have also a prophecy about Jesus' betrayal. Uh, again, something that probably the betrayer didn't know he was doing, but he was fulfilling the prophecy in Psalm 41, 9. It says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And we find the fulfillment over in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 22, verse 48 says, But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Yes. So nothing that he could have done to, yes. to do that, but Judas yes. fulfilled yes. that prophecy. Yes. yes. And now the prophecies about Jesus' priesthood and kingship, the, the full fulfillment of that is still in the future. But Eric, I believe we can all agree that all these fulfilled prophecies serve as a firm foundation for the hope in the fulfillment of these future ones. Very much so. You know, we are going to continue taking a look at the prophecies of Jesus and their fulfillment when we come back. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. You can find it at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's at itiswritten.shop. It's on the book of Psalms and you will be blessed. We're gonna come back in just a few moments and look at some of the typological fulfillments as well. We'll be right back. They are some of the most famous words ever spoken. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Written by a former shepherd, King David wrote the 23rd Psalm. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible Psalm 23. As we look at this beautiful psalm, David draws on his experience as a shepherd and draws on the depths of his relationship, his sometimes rocky relationship with the God of heaven. David speaks about God as his shepherd. He says, I shall not want. He said that God, his shepherd, makes him to lie down in green pastures and leads him beside still waters. See a beautiful picture of God, the picture David saw. God as shepherd, as carer, as provider. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible. Psalm 23 on It Is Written TV. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're continuing to take a look at Jesus in the Psalms. Slava, when we were together just a few moments ago, we were looking at some of the very literal prophetic fulfillments of Jesus, but there are also some typological fulfillments of the yes. prophecies in Psalms uh, with Jesus. Yes. What can you share with us about those? Yes, well, the typological uh, uh, predictions 
our prophecies are called typological because we don't find a direct fulfillment in the New Testament in a sense that New Testament authors quoted these uh, uh, psalms or biblical texts like in the previous instances that we read. However, when we read the circumstances and descriptions uh, uh, presented in these psalms, it's very clear that no one, no Israel's king ever fulfilled them and they find therefore their fulfillment in Jesus through his actions and words. For example, Psalms 24, 25, 72, 101, they all speak about the ideal king who does God's will perfectly, who shares justice to all. And we all know that King David and maybe King Solomon, who, who are taken, both of them, as the best examples of, of uh, the ancient Israelites king, they weren't perfect in no way and, and uh, very often do unjust things. And, but the one who does all that and who fulfills them is Jesus Christ. Then the Psalms, like Psalm 88 and 102, are the prayers of the suffering servant of God. And I especially love uh, Psalm 88. No one can claim the depth of this suffering, only Jesus. And when we read this prayer, we really come close to Christ and we get a glimpse into the suffering he endured for the sake of the world. So, so all these Psalms find their, I would say, typological fulfillment in Christ. And so he is that perfect fulfillment that no human being could have stepped into those shoes, but, but he being the perfect individual yes. most certainly does. A number of New Testament people uh, served as types of Christ, and type would uh, mean like an image or a model or an illustration like Moses, David, and others. However, they are only a small shadow of the grand and glorious picture of who Jesus really is, and we read uh, in the Gospels about Christ. So it's yes. nice to have those types, but yes. really they're, they're just, like you said, a shadow of yes. the real, of the yes. reality. Yes. Well, when we take a look at the Psalms, we're seeing Jesus in here clearly throughout. How do the Psalms bring us closer to Christ? It's all well and good to see him in there, but it doesn't do us much good unless we are, unless we can connect with him. How do the Psalms help us to do that? Yes, exactly. I, I really appreciate that you mentioned the word connect with him. And I mentioned, I think this earlier, that the Psalms are here not just to inform us, but to transform us as well. And in this case, they are here to not just inform us about Jesus, but connect us with Jesus. And that's the final goal, that through these Psalms, these wonderful prayers, we get to know our Lord Jesus heart to heart. And when we pray His prayers, that's the place where we meet with Christ heart to heart. And I am amazed to know that the last words our Lord Jesus spoke on the cross came from the Psalms. Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It shows us that Jesus knew this psalm by heart. 
and that he prayed this psalm. And at the hardest moment of his life, he turned to God's word and prayed. And the very last words that Jesus spoke on the cross before his breathing his last came from Psalm 31, 5. Maybe we could read this verse. The very last words that Jesus spoke before giving up his breath came from a Psalm, Psalm 31, verse 5. And it says, into your hand I commit my spirit. And when we read uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 46, it says, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Yes. So you see, when I read Psalm 31, I come with the words of Jesus, the, the, the last words that he spoke. And that does bring me closer to him, closer to understanding him, his love, his grace, his great suffering for the world, for me. And I cherish praying these prayers along with my Lord Jesus. So it seems like as we're reading through the New Testament, there are many references to the Psalms. Of course, in many Bibles, there are uh, either column references or, or references down at the bottom. And a lot of those go back to the book of Psalms. So these are evidences that the New Testament writers are recognizing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things, that Jesus is very present in the book of Psalms, and that he's, he should be very present in, in our lives as well. So more than simply saying, oh yeah, there's a picture of Jesus in the Psalms and here's a picture of him in the New Testament, it's not just there, it doesn't just exist, but it, it, should, it should touch our heartstrings and, and change our lives as well. H how might a person how might a person respond when they see this picture of Jesus in the Psalms over here in the New Testament? How would a person, how should a person respond to that? See, it's, it's like when we read the Psalms, it's as if we are reading Jesus's personal diary. You know, it's, it's in our personal diaries, we put our most uh, innermost thoughts and, 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 and pleas and prayers. And when we read the Psalms, we discover Jesus's heart. And how do we respond to this great love, to this great faithfulness and commitment, but giving ourselves to Christ completely in adoration and obedience, in glorifying Him and trusting Him fully and accepting His gift of salvation. Eric, imagine you invite me to your birthday party and I sacrifice everything I have to buy you, to prepare you this wonderful gift. And I come to your birthday party and I give you that gift and somehow you just, ah, you neglect it. You know, what a waste, what a sorrow, you know. And when I read the Psalms, I have no other words but to say, Lord, I am yours. You have redeemed me with your precious blood. That's the response that we inevitably almost give to God when we meet with Christ heart to heart in His prayers. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. That's, that should be the response that yes, we have. Yes. But a great many people, they miss out on it. Yes. They miss out on the opportunity, on that connection that Jesus yes. wants to make with us. Yes. 
because they don't recognize him for for who he is that he's that one who was present so much in psalms and through the rest of the old testament and here to give us hope if there's somebody today who's watching this program and they're they're looking for hope they they believe in jesus but they don't see how he can really change their lives what would you share with them to help them to see that he is real that he wants to have a relationship yes. that he wants to be close and that he wants to help yes yes well i'm glad we read many psalms but perhaps psalm 23 is the right word for you now it is the psalm about the good shepherd and jesus said in the gospel of john i am the good shepherd the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep and no earthly shepherd ever does that but that's the kind of shepherd that's the kind of god our lord jesus is and here in psalm 23 there is an encouragement for you there is a call for you to seek god and allow him to reveal himself to you to open your eyes to see his grace and his presence in your life the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me besides the still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake i believe there are many good things going on in your life and sometimes we take them for granted or we think it's just a coincidence. But my friend, rest assured, it is the Good Shepherd who leads you, who provides for you. He's the one who will go with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He will be with you and he's preparing a table for you with blessings overflowing so that one day when you receive him in your heart, you may dwell in the house of the Lord and enjoy his blessing and his fellowship forever. Slava, it's amazing when we take a look at the book of Psalms, how much of Jesus we can see there in things he did fulfill and in things that we don't see a direct fulfillment in in the New Testament, but we know that he ultimately is that fulfillment, those typological fulfillments as well. And that strengthens or should strengthen our relationship with him as well. So thank you for leading us through the book of Psalms and and helping us to see Jesus. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes. And we trust that you have been blessed as we have taken this journey through Uh, through many of the Psalms today and seen a clearer picture of Jesus in each of them. Because as we get to see Jesus, we have an opportunity to connect with him, to to, uh, abide with him and to grow in our relationship with him. And we hope that that's what will be taking place in your life between now and when we come back again next week. We look forward to seeing you then here on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.